Welcome to another episode of Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank I. Curry. And we come at you every Monday, every Friday here on WGR550.com. And we get to get right into it, Frank, because, well, RIP in peace to the Bills season. It's they yeah. are They were officially eliminated last weekend. So now that they're officially done, you know what you get to do? Talk about the draft. Look at all of the mock drafts and all of the board, big boards and player rankings and everything like that. And you know there's a place that a lot of us at the station go to for all of our draft needs. That's the Draft Network. And we've got one of our favorites, one of our esteemed colleagues from the Draft Network, John Ledyard, on with us now. John, it's Derek. It's Frank. It's been a while, man. What's going on? Hey, not too much, guys. You know, everybody else is starting to gear toward draft season. I feel like I've been in it for a while, so it's exciting to see kind of the attention turns toward it, and uh, I think we got a lot. we're going to have a lot of fun talking about a lot of these prospects over the next several months. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, to be honest, I've kind of had one eye on it the whole time, especially with how mm-hmm. disastrous the start of the season was for the Bills in particular. But now they're officially eliminated, which means we can really get into this sort of stuff. We can look at the big boards. We can look at all the questions, the biggest needs, where the Bills might be picking. I think it's, what, sixth right now? As of right now, yeah. As of right uh, now, sixth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, John, I'll start with you right at the top there. The Bills at sixth, they could clearly need offensive line. They clearly need wide receiver help. What would you have them going at there at sixth overall? Oh, man. I mean, I think with their needs at wide receiver, offensive tackle, edge, pass rusher, I mean, cornerback, even opposite Tredavis White. I mean, I think, you know, we'll see how things pan out. I know uh, the Levi Wallace has been playing well there and Teron Johnson's spot, so maybe that's the battery for next year. I don't know. We'll see. But, I mean, really, those are the four biggest positions on a roster other than quarterback, right? So, I mean, you kind of just got to go with the best player available, I think, at one of those positions, whoever that ends up being at that point in time. Um, there is, I think it's a good offensive tackle class. How good? You know, there's a couple of these guys, Dalton Reisner and Cody Ford. I think they're good tackles, but they might be even better inside in the NFL. That's always tricky to figure out, you know, where these guys – where teams going to prefer them, even if they could play tackle, a lot of teams will just say, oh, I want to take them and play them at guard because they'll be an all-pro guard. And so that's going to be one of the things we have to kind of feel out is where are these guys going to play in the NFL, what's going to be their best position. Even Jonah Williams, who I would be totally fine with the Bills taking at number six. That's been rumored that a lot of NFL teams want to see him at offensive tackle instead, or, offens- or offensive guard instead. So I think he's a tackle. I think that would be a great pick for the Bills, uh, absolutely great pick. Um, you know, I think that – you could definitely talk me into wide receivers if you move down. They have a ton of needs. I think trading down is going to be a legitimate option for them, um, especially depending on how the board falls. Of course, we're too far out to really predict much about how that will fall. We don't even know who all is declaring at this point. So um, I think that when you're Buffalo, pigeonholing yourself or kind of categorizing yourself as just looking at one need at that spot is probably the worst thing you can do and closing down trade down options is another one of the worst things you can do i don't think they'll do either of those things they'll keep think they'll keep all their options open and it wouldn't surprise me at all if this was a team that ended up moving around as we've already seen from last year's draft that they're willing to do as a matter of fact john uh i remember one of your mock drafts having the bills taking greedy williams out of lsu the cornerback mm-hmm. so you know i'm i'm always for that best position of best player available whatever position it is like even if they take one of the stacked defensive linemen in this class, I'm not really going to go ahead and question what is life anymore. I'm just going to go ahead and say, all right, they took the best player available, and I'm not going to blame them for that. So the question becomes, and this is why we turn to you guys for this, how deep is it at wide receiver? How deep is it at offensive line? 
Because, for example, you mentioned a lot of these tackles that could go inside to guard. And when you say that, I kind of got a little giddy inside because their biggest need is on the interior of their offensive line. Right. Right. Yeah, and that makes it tricky. Then it becomes another trade-down situation. Maybe you don't want to take one of those guys probably at six, but you move down, it could definitely be one of the better options for you in the first round, you know, a game-changing player on that offensive line. So, I mean, there are options for the Bills in terms of that, too, if they wanted to go into your offensive line. And the depth at receiver, you know, you mentioned it, you asked about it. It's absolutely deep. It's very deep. There's tons of different types of receivers. you got a couple deep threat types, a lot of big-bodied receivers, contested catch-type guys, ex-receivers that are going to fit more of that mold. Some of those guys more versatile, more dynamic than others. Then you've got some slot options, too. I mean, you've got a lot of guys that can be productive. Uh, what I love about Dable's offense is that I don't think you need necessarily a true number one wide receiver. I mean, it's always great. Everybody you know, wants to have Julio Jones on the roster. But, you know, I don't think you need a guy like that for this system to be productive. I think you need guys that are versatile and do a lot of different things well. I don't necessarily think that'll be a first-round target for the Bills because of that. You know, now if a great player emerges the draft process and, you know, they're kind of looking and they fall in love with one name, I don't think they rule out wide receiver, but I don't think it's like this crying need you have to take it in the first round because there is such good depth in the wide receiver class and in the tight end class, too, especially if these underclass would declare you're going to have an unbelievable tight end class, which, you know, a lot of these teams are using two tight end sets now and using two tight ends on the field at once. You know, versatile guys, obviously, that flex for the slot and do things like that. I think that could absolutely be in the cards for Buffalo as well. So just getting weapons, right? They need weapons. They need guys who can create for this offense. And to me, if you can fill some needs in the offensive line and free agency, which with a young quarterback, I like to get some veterans up front around them, some guys who have been around the block and help out with protections, can handle some things, take some, take some, take some things off his mind on game days. You know, I think that that's really comforting when you've got guys out there that are fully confident, that know what they're doing, that have seen different fronts, all that kind of stuff, I think that can really help. So if they can fill some holes in offense on the offensive line and free agency, it would free them to just make it look for playmakers uh, on offense and, and an edge rusher on defense, you know, in a playmaker corner, you're just looking for splash play guys uh, at that point in the draft, and that should be kind of their priority. I think guys who can make impact-level plays, and you can find those guys all over the draft, you know, typically obviously in the first round, but I think you're going to be able to find them for specific roles, especially for that offense a wide receiver, tight end, running back, whatever it might be. I think they're going to be able to find those in the later round. Maybe it's the pass rusher then that they end up targeting in the first round. John Ledyard, the Draft Network, joining us here on the Leftovers podcast. So, John, the uh, you know, it, it's kind of funny how this question will, will sound the second time around. I know you're a huge fan of Josh Allen in this year's draft. <laughs> um, but what, are you, uh, what have you seen from the Bills' rookie quarterback that uh, – is there anything inspiring there, any hope for you, for Bills fans to uh, you know, let them think, okay, maybe they might have something here? You're mentioning Brian Dable and his scheme, and that, you know, people really kind of, I would say, unjustifiably got on his case this season, and I think you're right about Dable yeah. in particular. I think Dable is a guy that really can put a nice little system together, and we're seeing it now that they've got some young kids with speed into that lineup, you're seeing a little more effectiveness from the offense. But what have you seen from number 17 that, uh, you know, your overall opinion on him throughout his rookie year? Yeah, I think early in the season, like week three or four or something like that, when Josh Allen was playing worse than he is now, uh, I came on WGR actually and I said, um, I said that Dable was doing everything right. It was Josh Allen who was really struggling despite 
Dable scheming up exactly what they want, basically, at that point. Um, so I really was a fan of Dable this whole time. As soon as I started to see what his offense could be at the NFL level, I've been really impressed. And obviously, you know, with Allen getting hurt, and then they had those other guys rotating in, and that wasn't it. They had for sure. I mean, Allen's clearly the best in the room. That's why I understood the decision uh, to start him to begin the season. I mean, lots of bumps in the road. Like, you know, it's funny because with Josh Allen, he was so polarizing for people. You know, some people saying this guy should be a day, late day three type of pick, and other people saying absolutely he should be considered uh, in the conversation for you know first quarterback off the board. That's so rare that we have that type of extreme on both ends of the spectrum. And meanwhile, I was I had a third round grade on Josh Allen. I don't add value for quarterbacks, you know, j- just because they play an important position. I don't add value on the board. For example, I had Sam Darnold as an early second round grade. And I would have taken him in the top 10 as an NFL team because quarterback is that important of a position. But just in a vacuum, I thought he was like what I would grade out as an early second-round player, positional importance aside. So I would have taken Josh Allen you know, somewhere like in the late first, early second-round type of range. Did I think he deserved to go above Josh Rosen? No. Do I, do I still think that? Yes. I mean, I still think that that was something that, that Bill Buffalo fans will eventually look back on as a mistake, not that Rosen's situation in Arizona won't get him killed, too. But, you know, I th- so I thought that definitely, like, like the, the Josh Allen was overrated in the eyes of the NFL and that fixing all his issues would be difficult. But I was somewhere in the middle of kind of the masses, although it was obviously always fun to to poke fun at the whole Josh Allen narrative and how, you know, the, te- the people that liked him kind of defended him because he was big and had a strong arm and had big hands, uh, and that was really the only defense the whole time. So most of the poking fun, it looked like it was a Josh Allen, but actually it was the people who used those things as a defense of his skill set to, to become a good quarterback in the NFL. If Josh Allen becomes a good quarterback and builds on the progress we've seen this season, it will not be because of those things. It will be because he improved his mental processing, he improved his decision-making, his ability to read coverages, his accuracy, his mechanics. Those are the things that make a good quarterback. We've had tons of guys with strong arms come and go in the NFL. You know, None of that mattered, and, and really it's hard to disagree that Josh Allen was unimpressive in college. He clearly was, but the traits were there to build around, and I thought seeing him at the Senior Bowl, I thought here's a smart guy who's a good leader. Players respond to him well. He took well to coaching there, I thought. You could already see him talk about the things he was trying to clean up in his game and see how that was happening for him. Granted, not under a ton of pressure in that atmosphere, but even when I, he played the Senior Bowl game, and there was a little bit of pressure, like I thought he really started to put some things together and play better than he did at Wyoming. So just the fact that he's moldable is the biggest thing. The fact that he, you know they rave about the, the demeanor and the character and all those kind of things. That's the biggest thing with Josh Allen. Like, I don't think he's been great on the field this season. Obviously, he makes plays with his legs, which is a huge equalizer. I mean, so many quarterbacks over the years with the elite athleticism. You know, the Bears are doing great this season. Trubisky's been pretty bad at quarterback. It doesn't matter because he's such a good athlete right now. You know, it'll eventually matter. But so that, that, that being the great equalizer for him so far this season, I think is really – been helpful it's given us some confidence you know like he's put it's put them in better down and distances so that they can stick to the playbook a little bit more so is it sustainable long term we'll see but i think that the biggest thing is he hasn't been totally overwhelmed as a rookie and i think that's something to build on yeah and going off of what derek's question yes about josh allen and this year what about the other bills rookies what have you seen out of them yeah, I think that, you know, Harrison Phillips was a guy who wasn't super high on coming into the year, and I was just kind of like, okay, uh, you know, I think that – or coming into the draft, I'm sorry. I was like, okay, man, I think he can do some things okay, but, like, I don't see him as anything more than just a rotational type of guy in the NFL. But, 
No, he just is such a hustler, and I don't think he plays as athletic as he tested, but he just works so hard um, that it's kind of like, man, this guy just kind of might outplay expectations regardless um, of kind of how I felt about him coming in. So I didn't love that pick at the time, especially with them signing Starley Delele and the needs they had elsewhere, really. That was the big thing for me. Like, you took Josh Allen so high, you traded up for Tremaine Edmonds and lost that other pick in the process. You pretty much have to use a pick after that on an offensive player to help out this group, and they didn't, and obviously that's made a big impact this season. Um, if they could have grabbed a player like that, it could have been a lot more helpful to Allen. So Phillips, I felt like, was a luxury pick they couldn't really afford. At the same time, he's been a pretty solid player for them this season, I think. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds is definitely still growing. He has a long way to go. Now, the ceiling is high for him, and that's really all that matters. He's so young, um, and all the traits are there, and I thought he's gotten better early on. It looked you know, he looked really overwhelmed, and I think he's gotten better and better every week. You know, hopefully that'll just continue to build. That's how it was at Virginia Tech for him. You know, early, even his last season at Virginia Tech, early on in that season, you know, he was pretty unimpressive, to be honest. Late in the season, he was making reads and doing things that he never did. So just getting comfortable, I think, is big for Tremaine Edmonds and another guy. Like Character-wise, I feel like you can count on him to continue to grow and, and be a leader. And I liked Wyatt Teller coming out. That was actually one of my favorite Bills picks. Um I thought he was going to be a really good fit. I know he's just recently found his way into the lineup a little bit. Haven't seen a ton of him. I've heard from a lot of you guys that he's looked pretty good in that role and definitely deserves to continue to see some extended time there. So I'm excited about that. I thought, you know, two years ago, what was his junior year, I guess, he was a really, really good player. Like, definitely would not have lasted until round five. Then his last year in college, some things fell off and he didn't have the same intensity. And there's a bunch of reasons for that, but I felt like they were all fixable, uh, and I felt like he could become a, a good player in the NFL. And then, you know, I haven't seen a ton of McLeod uh, Foster. I know, obviously, it was just kind of built as a vertical threat, so the fit made sense. Uh, and I think that they've kind of found some chemistry lately, so we'll see if he can kind of develop into more of a well-rounded receiver. Ideally, he's a third or fourth guy, I think, on the depth chart, but this year they kind of <laughs> got to go to him more out of necessity. And then I guess Levi Wallace has played great. I haven't heard that. I just actually was Joe Marino – um, who I uh, work with over at the Draft Network, wrote an article about undrafted free agent corners, and I didn't even know Wallace was on a team. And so he was telling me Wallace has played really, really well, and he's a Bills guy, so he was telling me what Wallace has just been a great addition and hardly given up anything in a couple starts so far this season. So I don't know if he's a long-term answer at corner, but having a guy like that on the roster is, is really nice. So looks like they've been able to develop guys, and that's the biggest thing. You know, find guys in the draft, find guys in undrafted free agency, and develop them, and uh, I think that that's one of the key things to building out a roster. Now they got to find the high-profile guys and start hitting on some impact players with some of these high picks. So, John, uh, one of the biggest things, you mentioned trading down as a possibility with the Bills. One of those things that hinges on that is a quarterback class, and this one's looking a little underwhelming this time this year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, it really kind of depends on who declares, I think. You know, if Herbert and Haskins were to both declare – you know, maybe there's enough interest because there's so few quarterback needy teams, and I'm not convinced that Oakland is going to take a quarterback. Uh, I think San Francisco, Arizona, Oakland, Atlanta, the Jets, the five teams in front of the Bills, you know, really did not no interest in a quarterback at all from four of those teams. I'm not sure Oakland's going to have much interest either. So uh, then you get to Buffalo, and then you, they could probably, you know, other teams ahead of them will probably do the same thing. But you know, does Jacksonville, where do they want to move up? Or who do they want to get ahead of? You know, how interested are the Giants in a quarterback? How interested is Cincinnati in a quarterback? How interested is Washington at 14 in a quarterback? Do they believe in any of these guys? I think it's probably a stretch to say that there's going to be a team really trying to make moves for a quarterback. Uh, if they do, it would probably be Haskins. We'll see. I don't think Herbert's going to declare. So, yeah, if you're the Bills, you're praying for quarterbacks to declare. That's There's no doubt about that. Um, 
you know, so some of these teams move up. And, and you're, Daniel Jones is going to declare. I know there's been talk about him as a coveted pick, but I just it's hard for me to see it, man. He's just got such a playing skill set and, and still has so many clear weaknesses that I can't see teams valuing it. Remember, every year quarterbacks get pumped up in the media that the NFL doesn't care about at all. I mean, we had to hear for months about how Luke Falk and Davis Webb were going to be these super high picks. <laughs> you know, and it never happened. And that's every single year. Tom Savage. So oh, the yeah, best thing people can do is not believe not believe the things that they're hearing in the media because it's very rarely a reflection of actual NFL scouting departments and how they feel about quarterbacks. So I think that if you're going to see a guy drafted high, Taskins, who I do believe will declare, um, and then Herbert, if he does declare, would be in that up in, the, in that top ten as well. I don't think he does, which probably leaves us could leave, very easily leave us with one quarterback in the top ten. There will be some intrigue with Drew Locke for sure. Um, I could see him going in the top ten, uh, but it would be a reach in my opinion and. I wouldn't put it past some teams, though. I think it's a possibility. So, I mean, if you if you're if you're Buffalo and that's an opportunity, teams want to move up to take a guy like that. Then uh, I think that uh, you are in a good spot to be able to move down and potentially get like a really nice ransom if it's a team like Washington trying to get ahead of Jacksonville for somebody like Haskins. All right, John, this is going to become the crazy season for you soon enough. I mean. You're looking at the uh, the collegiate all-star games like the East-West Shrine Bowl, the Senior Bowl, of course, and then, of course, the Combine after that, and everything ramps up. Once uh, once the season ends there, you're going to be a, a fairly far more busy man that we're not going to be able to reach out to as often, I don't think. Hey, I'll always make time for you guys. Don't worry about that. I'll be down at the Shrine game. I'll be down at the Senior Bowl. So if you want me to come on, talk build, prospects the Bills could be looking at down there, I'd be more than happy. For sure. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, though, that uh, – you know, now we can actually really start ramping up on it. We can start firing up the first pick.com machine or whatever. Wait, hang on. You guys got a a mock draft simulator yeah. going on yet? We do. Yeah, it's coming soon. Yeah, it's coming soon. Oh. The developers are building it out right now. Yeah, this thing is going to be it's going to be really fun, guys. It's going to be um it's just more advanced than anything that's out there right now. You know, other people have done great work too, like I don't mean it, but it's just this is this is going to be way more advanced. You're going to be able to build your own big board. Uh, you're going to be able to organize your own prospects from a massive database. We're going to have every draft-eligible prospect in the country in, the, in that database for people. And uh, it's being built right now. I think you can expect it. You probably get, It's probably going to – we're going to have to test it out. Obviously, the mock draft machine is going to go to beta testing. And then uh, once we figure out and refine the algorithm, it'll be out there for the public. So I would say you're going to start looking for it in February, but it's going to be really, really exciting when it drops because it allows people to do – a lot of different things that aren't out there right now. So I think uh, people are going to have a lot of fun with it. John, do you think you can slide me that beta testing? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're going to be reaching out to beta testing. I need it. <laughs> uh, I might have to hit you up. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, if you could slide me that, uh, slide me a link to do some a little bit beta testing, I, I would I would gladly give my free time to uh, to make sure this thing works. John, thanks for taking the time as always, man. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Later, John. See you, John. That was John Ledyard of the Draft Network. And, uh, oh, man, when he said something about that draft simulator, I couldn't. I, I, you were trying not to giddy like a little I school I was trying girl. not to squeal. Yes, you're absolutely right. I, like, part of me was going, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was just like, oh, my God. Oh my God. That's <laughs> right. They have something in the works. <laughs> so, your eyes just. Bald oh right yeah, like, Frank's got to look at Frank's got to look at me here, and once once he said all these things, he just he knew the look on my face was one of. 
Yeah, um, I had to, I had to professionally contain my excitement there. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but John's always great. So are all those guys there. I mean, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Trevor Sekuma, those guys, Ben Solak, all of them. They do great work at the Draft Network, and you should check them out. So, follow them on Twitter. You can go to their website at the Draft Network. So, again, there's a lot to work up to, and there's a lot to worry about with the draft. And I think I've done most of my due diligence with with football today. Because I'm not going to lie to you, I did not watch the Thursday night game. I didn't watch (laughs) it either because I was working. I was busy worrying about the Sabres. Yeah, that too. So I was working and having the Sabres game on. By the way, the the website, thedraftnetwork.com. So absolutely hit them up because they've got great content. And now that the Bills are officially eliminated, you can look at their stuff, and no one will judge you, even though there are three games left. Can they beat the Lions? Sure. Would it be cool if they do? Actually, yeah. I want to see Josh Allen rebound. I want to see him play better. And as John Ledger said, if he's going to improve, it's going to be through the mental reads and everything that he's been doing since he returned to the lineup. So... Maybe we've got a chance to see something here. I want to see him bounce back, play a little better than he did last week, particularly in the passing game. It's hard when you're running for your life. Yes, I get that. But, you know, other than that, I, uh, I'm i ready to watch this game on Sunday. I'm not dreading anything. You actually get the rare, not the rare, it's actually happened twice already this year. We get another Sunday doubleheader of Bill Sabres. Yeah. Because you've got the Bills-Lions game. And then right when that ends, you get about an hour until Sabres and Bruins. That's going to be big. So Sabres, by so the way. doubleheader on uh, WGR that day. So by the way, actually no, programming note for you is that ESPN 1520 will carry the game mm. starting at 5 o'clock. Okay. As the Bills official post game would still be going on with coaches' comments. So I'd imagine that's why the decision was made. So if you need to listen to the game, you're not going to be able to watch it. ESPN 1520 is going to be your source for the Sabres on Sunday. You're welcome. So nice job making sure that I reminded people of that. Good work. There you go. That's how it works. All right, Frank. They got back on track. They got four out of four, Mm -hmm. as I suspected that they should have. Yep. One was a little more dramatic than the other. (laughs) Um, one, one was very reminiscent of that 10-game winning streak. Yes, where they played poorly for an entire period and then figured out, oh, right, we can do this, so let's oh, go yeah, get back to it. They're the kings. They're slow and bad. And we, then they, we can just keep – we yeah. need to just step up here. And they did. Yep. So, Buffalo – like, that second period was so bad, though, mm-hmm. that you would have thought they were the team on the back-to-back. But it's funny how things work sometimes, isn't it? The Kings you. were on a back-to-back, yep. and in the second period, they thoroughly outplayed the Sabres. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Toronto game, the Sabres were in the middle of a back-to-back, and throughout the entire game, they were going Rochambeau shot for shot with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. And they looked like they were not dragging feet at all. Yeah. So it's just funny how hockey works sometimes. But the Sabres realized, hey, what are we doing? Let's fix this. And they did. And then they kept it right on through to Arizona. We're back. We're back into the good conversation. We're feeling good right now. We're feeling good again. They ended the five-game losing streak. Good Lord. And 
the biggest thing about this is now, hey, you get another test. Last time the Sabres had some tests, they tended to get some points out of it. Yep, Washington, well, Boston, Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be a tough one, too, because you got Washington at 7 on the road, and then I believe they come back home to play Boston. Is that at home or is that in Boston? I don't I don't remember. I thought I saw it was a home game. I wouldn't doubt it, but still, the biggest point being. Because Boston game's a 5 o'clock game. Yeah. Oh, no, it is a real game. Oof, so you're traveling to Boston. Yep. And then you have to play another two hours earlier. Mm-hmm. But the Sabres did this already where they played against Winnipeg. Yeah. And then had to go to Minnesota. And then had to go to Minnesota, so you have to deal with customs and everything like that. Yep. So there's a little additional problem with your travel. I think that the Sabres have dealt with worse travel problems with their 11 games and 19 days stretch that they had, where they ripped 10 wins in a row out of part of that stretch somehow. A large part of that stretch somehow. Hmm. But the biggest thing being, even in some of their losses, they collected points. And even in some of their losses in the losing streak, they looked good. Yeah. The Philly game notwithstanding. Yeah, the Philly game was really like the only game. The Philly game was your hiccup. And it was really just, what, one period? It was one period of really, really bad hockey. But that was it. In, in a five-game losing streak, where I think it was only two of them were... Overtime losses. Yeah, you collected two so points. That's an extra, so that's an extra period right there. That's 17 periods of hockey. One period was bad. One so period even was when you were bad. losing, you still had 16 periods where you, they were playing well, and they were giving themselves a chance to win. I agree. So, even, just, so even in a five-game lose streak, there, there's a lot of positives you could take out of it. Yeah, and the biggest thing about this is that they're, you know, last couple games they've actually gotten some help. From a couple of different yeah. lines. Oh, look what happens when you get some depth scoring. And look what happens. You win games. Yeah. Um, it's funny how that shock works. Shock how it works. But, of course, of course your big guns are still, still scoring. getting scoring from your big guns. You're still getting an Ike snipe. You're still getting Skinner being a hero. And then you get Skinner technically with the game-winning goal the last two games. Mm-hmm. That's actually the fact. That's a fact. <laughs> He's got the game-winning goal the last two games. A lot of their, like, their goals against Arizona were pretty much the same things, though. Capitalizing on some odd man rushes yep. or utilizing speed to get their goals. That's what you have to do. Rodriguez looked like he got shot out of a cannon for that last one. And hopefully we see more hopefully we see more out of it because realistically he's I thought he's been he's been okay this year. I thought I mean, he's been more below average. From, yeah, that, from that's what kinda he where does. that's kinda where I'm at. That's kinda where I'm at with him. Like he's just he's just okay. Yeah, he's a. He, it's been a struggle for Rodriguez. A lot of with a lot of uh, the the trade talk going on now with teams like St. Louis, who's pretty much, who's pretty much said that they're listening to offers on all players, which includes guys like Vladimir Tarasenko. A lot of Saber fans are chiming in of, "Oh, we trade for this guy, trade for him, trade for him." I know when uh, with the holiday party going on on Wednesday, you were you were the, here producing Nightcap with Joe and. We had the appearance of corporate gates. <laughs> yeah, that dude was... shows up. I get food. So here's what happens. Okay, I, I know I know the story because I was listening. But Here, go on. Here's what happened. Okay, at the break, Gates was like, "Yo, I could I could go for some I could go for some food." I'm like, "You know what? I can go and get some more too." So I'll go and get it because mm-hmm. he said the ba- downside is I don't feel like talking to anybody 
I don't know anyone. I, like, yes. He's like, I don't feel like going out there and dealing with people. I'm like, I'll do it. I'll get some more food for myself, you know. I'll get some food for you. And, you know, all right, cool. What's out there? Uh, just grab. Uh, I'll just grab a smorgasbord of things. Come back with some pulled pork, some linguine, some mm-hmm. chicken parm, and and a beer for for the Gatesy. And uh, I show up, and I see him holding the mic. It is out of the holder. He is holding it in the control room. In the control room. Yes, he which took by the, the way, yes, he was. He, he proceeded took the to spot produ- of the control he room. He produced the show. <laughs> he produced the show. He produced his own show. His that former he used show. To, his, yeah, his old show <laughs> that he used to host. <laughs> and then I come in and yell from afar, "What did you do to the mic?" I heard. Yeah, I was. So, list- I was on my way home from actually a hockey game <laughs> when that happens. I was listening on <laughs> on my way home. Yeah, and. I did turn it around on him and I made a quick open of it, so that was that was pretty fun to get the revenge there. But but you know, okay, so going back to the main point there, the discussion of something, can we stop with this Patrick Kane to Buffalo crap? Yeah. Please. Yeah. First off, Ken Campbell had to be on all sorts of influential chemicals. To think that three first-round picks and Lukanen and Nylander and a bunch of other stuff that I don't even care to remember anymore because once you throw three first-round picks in there, I'm sorry, bro. You, you write for the hockey news? Are we sure about this? Are you sure you didn't get canned and then, like, because of takes like that? Come on. What reasonable, logical team would do that? Unless you're banking on Buffalo being a bunch of bumbling idiots. Which, first off, shame on you. Jason Bottrell has a little more of a credibility shame factor on you. than... Tim Murray's not our GM. Yeah, Tim Murray's not our GM anymore. You know, it's... No one would pay that price for any player. The only one I would think about doing that for is Connor McDavid. And because Peter Shirelli's the GM there, yeah, you want to go ahead and cherry pick on bad GMs, you can get away with giving less somehow. <laughs> or they would still say no, and I would be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But, the, yeah, there's only one person I would give that kind of package for. He plays in Edmonton, and he is far younger than Patrick Kane. Mm-hmm. Far younger. So, so, but as a result, so as a result of this, I know, like, you guys were talking about. So stupid with his stupid idea right. reminds me, though, we need to shut up about Patrick Kane. Because, look, I get it. He's from Buffalo. He makes the city look good because of the fact that he is a star player in this league. He is a star player. But what happens literally every freaking time he comes home? Something stupid happens. Yeah. So him. what makes you think that that's going to be the case there? Oh, and by the way, he's carrying a massive cap hit that would go until the age of 34. The Sabres don't have that kind of cap room right now to even pull off that trade. They need to sign Jeff Skinner first. They need to sign Jeff Skinner first. They need, like, they can't do anything trading-wise right now. They can't. No. They are so strapped up to it. Yeah. With dead money, particularly Matt Molson, that comes mercifully off the books this year. Yep. And other contracts that they needed to take in order to get – Higher assets for, say, the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Now, ugh, and look, it just 
it it bothers me though. Like it's like, oh, he's from Buffalo, so he has to come back. Those are the same people that wanted the Bills to draft Chad Kelly. Yep. And I need those people to shut up forever. They have it, it has to stop. <laughs> I'm I'm just so sick of it. Look, he can be from Buffalo and succeed and not have to come back here. Did anyone clamor about having Todd Marshawn back. back to the city? No. Who's Todd Marchand? Oh, he won a cup with the Ducks. He's one of the fastest skaters in the league during his time in the his, in the NHL. His time. No one was clamoring for. No one was clamoring for Todd Marchand. No one was clamoring for Lee Stepniak. Or yeah, Lee Stepniak or Brooks Orpik. Lee Stepniak's been on fourteen teams in this league. I'm not even exaggerating. Frank, look that, it up just to be sure. I'm gonna look that up real quick. Because you know I'm not that far off. Brooks Orpik, like nobody's clamoring for those players. No. Yes, it's because Patrick Kane is a star. But there's several things that you have to take into consideration here. But a Buffalo person can be successful out of Buffalo, and it can be perfectly normal. Shut up. You want to know the answer to Lee Stepniak? Please tell me it's like 12. You're close. I'm not kidding. I know I'm not. Like, I know I'm close. I know 14 was a minor exaggeration, but it wasn't far off. Yeah, it's not far off. Please tell me it's 13. No. It's 10. Jeez. Dude's been in one-third of the league. Yeah. One-third of the league. Yeah. He's the Josh Johnson of the NHL. <laughs> Except he actually plays. He actually plays, and he, like, was productive at one point. Yes. So, I know, like, it just I know, it like, bothers me. You, Joe, Ryan were talking about the idea of training for Braden Shen. All right. Ready? You want to so, – like – you want me to meme this whole thing here on this Patrick Kane thing to end it? Sure, go ahead. Tired. People trade. People asking about trading for Patrick Kane. Wired. The people that want to trade for Vladdy Tarasenko. You want to give me a star winger? Let's go with the younger option with a cheaper cap hit that lasts the same amount of time contractually. And, uh, again... It's just that he's cheaper, he's younger. Why not go that way? That's what the team is trying to do overall. So, so no, let's go ahead and trade for a thirty-year-old. So funny enough about that, going off of, going off of that younger, cheaper. Derek proceeds to hit his head with the microphone. You done? Maybe. It just annoys me. It really annoys me, and I'm, I'm trying to make it clear that I never want to hear about it ever again, and it's not going to happen. No, Let's be real. Happen. My it dreams will... are only going to be dreams in this case, and I'm just going to forever have to hear about it, forever be annoyed about it, and forever bitch about it, and you're going to have to deal with it because this is just the stupidity of things. We can't have nice things because the next thing you know, they ask for something stupid. So sorry that this is your problem. Yes, I'm now done. Okay. Mike's away from me, so now you actually can I can tell. I was going to say, going off of that younger, cheaper option, I was looking it up on Cap Friendly because Cap Friendly is awesome and you could do that. Who? I was looking at players between the ages of 23 and 25. Now, if the Sabres were to make a trade for a guy, I think it's in that age range. You think that would be the case? I would agree. Who is also under contract after this year? I would At also the very agree. worst. Yep. I was looking it up. Two players fit that fit that mold. Okay. 
Alex Galchenyuk, who I don't think is going to get traded. No, he wouldn't get traded again. Exactly. But he is also between the ages of 23 and 25 and has a contract after this year. Yeah, thanks, Montreal, for ruining part of my dreams there. We could have got Galchenyuk and Skinner, and that would have been awesomer. That would have been better. That would have been awesomer. But another guy came to mind who I think is interesting where he could get dealt because of circumstance, and that is from the Red Wings. Andreas Anthonisiu. Really? Anthonisiu. So think. So remember this. Before the start of last season, he almost went to the KHL. That's right, because they couldn't afford to pay him, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and they were finally able to give him a two-year contract and whatever. And they signed him to a one-year deal and then re-signed him to another two years, I believe. Okay. But, so he's under contract till after next year. So... I think he, I think if the Sabres were to target a guy who fits that mold, I think he's I think he'd be number one. But wouldn't Detroit want to actually try to hold on to to some of their younger players now and try to move in that direction because they're finally kind of seeing that stretch where they're but if not. They're good. not. But they're finally looking at trading Jimmy Howard. They want oh, a I first know. for him. Which yeah, good luck with that. I mean. It's happened. Let's be real about this. Both Martin Jones and Robin Leonard have been acquired for firsts. They're also far younger yeah, than but what they Jimmy were Howard also was. Far younger, yeah. But again, it's happened. And if some team is in a playoff race and they lose their goaltender, desperate teams could be desperate. Think about this right now. Guess how much cap space Detroit has as of right now? Not a lot. They couldn't afford Anathasiu two years ago. Right now, they're at just under two million. That's their projected cap space. Or that or that's their current actually. That so, their current cap space is one point eight. Their projected is zero. Again? Because of uh LTIR. I.e. Johan Franzen and Henrik Zetterberg. Ooh. So wait, didn't Zetterberg officially retire? Yeah, but he's still under contract. It's the same thing with Hosa. He's, they're still under contract, but they're so they get put on LTIR, and then it's pretty much it they circumvent much, the cap throughout yeah. the season. Yeah, but same thing with uh, Nathan Horton and Joffrey Lupul in Toronto. That's how the Leafs were able to have some, have like that extra cap space, even though they still have both those guys. So why is it a problem? It doesn't look like it's so, a problem. You're making it sound like there's no problem. So ain't no problem. Ain't no problem. They have Van. So obviously they signed Vanek. To a $3 million contract that comes off the books after this year. They're probably going to trade him at deadline anyway for more picks because it's Thomas Vanek for you. Gustav Nyquist is another guy who's who's gonna probably going to get traded, who's a rent, who'd be a rental. If there's a cheaper rental out there, it might be Gustav Nyquist. I think Anthony CU is interesting because he had those problems because Detroit signed so many bad contracts in the last few years that – it got to a point where they couldn't sign their young guys. It's amazing that they were able to get Larkin so easily at just over $6 million. But he's got to sign another contract after next year. So who's to say that he's already thinking about not wanting to be in, be in, a, in a rebuild? I mean, he's, he is, he's 24. He's, he's young. He's still young. And so he hasn't really been in the league, and he hasn't been in the league for a while. But... If he had problems already, who's to say they wouldn't come about again? 
because we, he's playing really well right now. Right now his cap hits $3 million. Who's to say he's not going to want more when his next contract comes around and Detroit's not able to do that? Because they, they are in the midst of a rebuild and their new owner, who's the son of uh, Ken Illich, who passed away mm-hmm. uh, like last year or two years ago, Mike Illich. Mike Illich, sorry. You mixed up Ken Holland with Mike Illich there for yeah, a moment. Yeah, I did. I did. His son, Chris, isn't as well dedicated to the team as Mike was. All right, so... So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking that they may not be able to afford him. There's one thing that gets in your way here on this theory, Frank. Steve Eiserman. No longer the general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yes. And a cap wizard. That's true. If he returns to Detroit, all bets are off there. Oh, yeah. So, but when is that going to happen? It could happen this year. But when? Probably end of the year so that Holland gets axed for finally being a bad general manager lately. So who's, so I'm, so I would offer this. So I'm thinking this. Come trade deadline. If you're Buffalo and you want to add a piece who you who you can have on your team next year who's young and you think he fits the bill. Well, that would get Holland fired. Trading a young piece on a team that needs a rebuild. <laughs> would you not offer one of your first round picks to do it? No. Why not? Anathasio has not really proven enough to me to be worth a first round pick. What if you what if you were able to do this? Also, the Sabres would still need to trade money. That's why I offer this. Trade them the rest of Matt Molson's contract and offer them a first-round pick as compensation for getting Anthony Sioux. Let's say a report comes out in January or February that Anthony Sioux is on the block and Detroit wants probably a, uh, a second-round pick for him or, a prosp- or something like that. I don't think I want him, and here's why. He's not a center. He is a center. He is a center? He is a center. Is he a center? Yes. Huh. He's played center. Okay, he's the played. Team. There's a difference. He plays. Between... He plays both. He plays all positions. Okay, I would rather want a regular. I'm gonna look. A, a pure. I would rather want a pure center. I guess that's why I say that. My biggest thing is that it's going to be tricky to go ahead and get about that, and this is what happens when you trade a top tier second line center. Does misfortune follow Ryan O'Reilly around? Yes, but is he a good center in this league? Also, yes, they can be the same thing. Am I glad that he's not here? Yes and no. The Sabres clearly miss his talents, and his secondary scoring would be fantastic for this team. But misfortune does tend to follow him. So the Sabres have actually been better off. I mean, you look at it, the Blues are in one of the worst spots there in the Central, and then you look at the Sabres, and they're one point off of Toronto for second in the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Again. Yeah. So it is kind of funny how it all works. Mm-hmm. But the Sabres do need another number two center at this time because Casey Middlestad, I mean, yeah, he scored last night. and Good for him. He's been he's been good. He's been snake-bitten. But, but at the same time, they're also not feeding him the minutes either, which means that Vladimir Saboka is getting a lot of those minutes. Johan Larson is getting a lot of those minutes too. So Middlestad's not getting the true number two center treatment from the team, which means that those minutes go elsewhere to lesser talented players. Yeah. And that's my point, is that you can't go rocking yourself here into Vladi Saboka being your second center. Oh, absolutely. I think the Sabres are willing to take a more patient approach at this. 
they might make the playoffs this year and just, you know, have to bite it and deal with whatever round one problem they get. Probably that's likely, yeah. But they're not going to sacrifice anything just for the sake of getting a player right now. They also don't have the money to do it. What contract are you able to trade off of your team, off of your books, in order to make that sort of thing happen? That's why I came up with that idea of Matt Molson in a first. The only one that I... And I'm saying the Sabres' own first, not St. Louis or San Jose's. The only one that you know you can get rid of right now also is the Sabres' first. Yeah. Because technically conditions have not been met, blah, 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 everything of the sort. Yeah. But that's also also based on current standings. That's also the best. Also going to be the lowest one as of right now. Yeah. Likely. I think Ottawa got away with trading that first round pick. I mean, San Jose got away with trading that other first round pick because all they did was guaranteed you're going to get your first round pick within the next two years. It's probably 2021 because, I mean, it's probably 2020 because we're going to make the playoffs. And Buffalo's getting that 2019 pick. If we somehow don't make the playoffs, despite you giving us Eric Carlson, well then, yeah, I guess that pick will be yours. And Buffalo, through the condition, officially has that pick that year. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they managed to give away a pick that still existed. And the conditions have been met, for save for one thing. So all they did was they made sure that that other first rounder in 2020 is going away. That's why I think San Jose got away with being able to trade what was technically a conditional pick. Oh, yeah. But what they did was they originally, the original part of the deal is that it is the 2020 first rounder. Also known as the next Sharks available first round pick. Yeah. Because if Buffalo, if San Jose for some reason was not to make the playoffs, which that we're looking at a bit of a problem there in San Jose, aren't we? I find it unlikely with how bad that division is. That's true. That but three teams have to make it. But here's the big thing. The Sabres do have four picks in the first round in the next two years. Yes. I suspect an end of the season off season trade. I can see that too. Yeah. No. They I'm, may value that blues pick, by the way. Yeah. Because Say St. Louis does finish bottom ten in the league this year. Yeah, a lot, if they're I, the, thinking teardown job, they may give it. They may give it a Buffalo so they can keep there so they can have a high pick next year. Yes, they may either do that There's or really because there is a really good player who's expected to go number one in 2020, who's playing in Quebec right now and and Alexis Lafreniere. Ah, yes, he's super good. But the big thing is, if St. Louis keeps the pick, for example. And they just want to get a guy right away. They pull in Ottawa. Yeah. Oh, your savers, you're you're licking your chops. They might not have hit their lowest point yet. That's the big thing. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. And that's where the beauty of all this is. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. So what happens next? No idea. Yeah. What I do know is this. If you're looking for them to try to trade for something this year, pump the brakes. Because they don't have the cap flexibility. Oh, to do when it I this say, year. and when I say trade for something this year, I'm and I also I'm not. We're not talking rentals, obviously. We're oh. that's that's definitely. I think that's all right off the books. As honestly, we know a, if you're going to rental for a third or a fourth round pick, do it. Yeah, that's that that's true. Yeah, I mean, we saw Jeff Skinner get traded to Buffalo for for Cliff Poo a second and a third. Yeah, I know. Jason Botchel might have something going on. He him. might. He yeah. Well, you got Connor Sherry and Matt Hunnick for a third and a, four, a conditional fourth. When you look at their picks available, 
I mean, right? they they really only have their they have this they have a San Jose fourth. Cool. They have their third, that might be might be going to Pittsburgh, or be, depending on what Sherry does. Mm-hmm. And Sherry was on pace to hit twenty forty. Yeah, let's see what happens with that. Yeah, it's kind of slowed down. His falling over assist doesn't help matters in that uh, conditional <laughs> race, but I'll take the production. Yeah. Um. But no, I think that honestly. I'm okay with this team rocking the way it is for the rest of the year. It's going to be I'm a struggle. I'm fine with it, too. It's going to be a struggle getting secondary scoring on a consistent basis. I'm and fine with it, too. Could, I'm just wondering if, if if they know they're going to make the playoffs and they want to get a guy who they can control next year who is still young, who fits that mold. The cap flexibility is your biggest concern. Exactly. It is. And if you trade Matt Molson's contract, but you, know you better hope that a team is terrible in order to pull off that move. And that's why I make that proposal of you give them Matt Moses contract, which is off the books at the end of the year. So that's relief right there. You get a guy who is going to help you now and next year, and you have to you trade a first round pick to do it. The first round pick more more so is a favor. You want to try to make sure to get some youth on this team. Yeah, but I'm saying the first-round pick is more just a favor to Detroit. Say, like, you get this first-round pick, you get another, another first-round pick that you can have in your rebuild. Maybe your Galchenyuk is not uh, too far off because Arizona loves grabbing dead contracts. They do. <laughs> so Molson and a first for Alex Galchenyuk? I'd do that. <laughs> I'd do it. But, no, my big thing is here is – this team is probably what it is for the rest of this year. They can try to get a cheap rental, and I wouldn't mind doing that. I, I, I just would have think, fun I, with that. I just think I think Detroit would definitely be interested in that, get another first-round pick in with already la- with last season's draft already getting a first-round pick for Tatar from Vegas and getting drafting Philip Zadina, six overall, and then drafting Joe Valeno. You know, who's to say they wouldn't want to – do that again, you can get, and you may have to trade a guy like Anthony CU to do it, but you get that first round pick. They might even get a first round pick for Gustav Nyquist. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think might. I don't think they're gonna get a first round pick for Howard. I don't think that. What about Thomas Vanek? <laughs> Just stop. Dude scores. Dude scores, but Dude he's also scores. but he's probably if he's gonna get traded at the deadline, my guess is at most he gets a third. I mean, hey, Sabres got a pretty good bid. Pretty good score out of Vanek. Yeah. <laughs> so did Minnesota, actually. So So did Florida. Yeah, and Florida did. Uh, Florida got some nice production out of that, man. Yeah. I forget that he played in Florida. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> that hot minute. That hot minute. They yeah. traded for him. Yeah. So, the year that they won the division. Yeah, like – it's funny to think about that Thomas Vanek's really kind of hit up the hit up around the league lately. No, was or, wait, was it the year they won the division? I don't know what it is, but I do know that they wanted to make a push. Oh no, it was the uh, year after. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's it's going to be interesting looking at the deadline, but I'm not going to put too much into it. Oh no, no. For once, though, we can actually look at this deadline and go. Well, if they shrug their shoulders and say, we're good, well, then we're good. Whatever. Yeah. 
Last year you could do the same thing. Yeah, and that and uh, all but you were looking, you were still looking though. No, wait, no. Last year you had to get a get a pick for Evander Kane. Yeah, and you wanted to get it first. Yeah, uh, a couple of years ago, people were pissed. Murray did nothing. Yeah, and you needed to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was for the best because who knows what he could have unloaded on the, on this prospect pool. Uh. Um, and then before that, what did he do? Went and acquired Evander Kane, paid a first for it. What did he do before that? Traded Braden McNabb and got traded Jamie Begin I mean, and, that a, was, and a pair of seconds, yeah. along with Braden McNabb for Hudson Fashing Nick and Nick Delorier, which is now turned into Zach Hickey Red- and Redmond. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Although to be fair, I mean Redmond's also not on a Sabres contract. He's on an he was a free. Yeah, agent. he's not even an NHL player right now. Wow. <laughs> That's what happened with that deal. He's also having a great year in Rochester. Technically, you might have got more for Delorier than you did with Fashing. Technically. Mm. Technically, yeah. AHL production wise. Yeah. You got two AHLers out of that. But with Fashing, Yikes. you also got another young defenseman. Yikes. Another young defenseman, at least, who's That's in his true. first pro year. Which is pretty nice. That's true, but I'm just not even like, you look at that deal, man. Yeah, Braden McNabb in a pair of seconds, and what'd you get out of it? You got butt. Yeah. All right. So Frank, two really tough games for the Sabers coming up. I'm intrigued. For the love of God, though, can they please change up the strategy on the power play? I hope. I'm so sick of it. Because you know what their power play consists of? Three players mm-hmm. up at the top, mm-hmm. passing to each other, and that's it. There is no movement going on from the skaters. And how are you supposed to get yourself open when all the setup is is two guys on the half wall and one guy middle of the blue line? There's no moving. Yeah. And the other two are supposed to go ahead and be able to collect the puck behind the net and screen the goaltender. Well, all you got to do is just get in the way of them, and you're not getting a lot of promising shots. Please change the power play. Please. I know they're not going to listen to this podcast, let alone my please. But, oh, my God, change the power play up. Please. For the love of God. And then, of course, the Bills play on Sunday against the Lions. So, cram it all in for your sports weekend there. Oh, and the 14th-ranked UB Bulls take on Southern Illinois on Saturday. Yeah. Wacky. They are the 14th-ranked team in the nation. It's pretty awesome. It's wacky. It's awesome. It's wacky. I don't know what else to come up with with that. But thank you for listening to Leftovers Podcast here on WGR550.com and on the on-demand audio. Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. And thank you to John Ledyard for joining us. This is the first time in a while we had a guest. We should do it a little more often. And we'll work on that. We'll get some more guests. We'll talk to more people. Because I'm sure you don't want to hear just us. Because that, if you do, well, I would suggest that you go out and interact with some human beings because listening to us is not always the greatest thing that you can do if it's the only thing that you're focused on. Am I right there, Frank? 
Yeah, I'm already I'm already sick of you right now. Yeah, he's already like not paying attention to me. Yeah. Making fun of the both of us. <laughs> Which usually he's immediately on the train to make fun of me. So you could tell that Frank is done. Mm-hmm. Frank's done with me right now. And you guys all should be too. So thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you later.